What's with your hat? Why is it turned backwards? Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And do you think we should kind of like update the, the name of the show every now and again? To like, like Scream 102? A... Like we've... Gra- it's, it's a yeah, new semester. because this is like our third semester now. Well, year, you know. So I, I guess we're flunking Scream 101. And we yeah, because we keep taking it, it over and over again. I feel like that doesn't speak well to you as a teacher and me as a student. Like I'm clearly failing and you shit. You you suck <laughs> you suck at teaching. I mean, I guess I do. Um, Everybody shits that book that, that we yeah. all read as children. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but look, if you call it like, if you want to be authentic and call it like Scream One Hundred Two, no one, that's just not catchy. Yeah, or plus, Scream Two Hundred Three. Plus, we can't change the name of the show like on iTunes. Yeah, that darn be a the bureaucracy. <laughs> Okay, um, so we're here to continue our Children of the Corn Marathon uh, with Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. But first, let's catch up on the one movie that we watched this week with a 10-word review, which I forgot to mention that we were doing to you earlier. Yeah, thank you for springing this on me, Brennan. You shouldn't be surprised because it happens every week, but, you know. I am surprised. I also so did not let, let you Let me prepare. guess the name of the movie, okay? Okay. So what did we see? It was Muppets. Yeah. It was Muppets Take... Los Angeles. Uh-huh. In the, the Happy Time, time murders. murders. Yeah. In the Happy Time Murders. Okay. So, okay. Do you want me to start with mine so you can think? <laughs> you can give me hours. I would not be able to come up with anything great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, go. go ahead, though. Go ahead, fine, though. Fine. Um, Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy share a scene. Iconic. For that one scene only. I added some words. So, is that still less than 10 or more than 10? Did um, you cheat like I cheat? I cheated. But if you count Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy as one word each, it's still over 10. <laughs> okay. So, artistry of Muppets. Or should I say puppets? It's puppets. They, I don't think they were legally allowed to say Muppets. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, starting over. Artistry of puppets is underappreciated. Happy Time Murders makes me happy. Okay. I'm, that sounds nice. Um, so on our car ride home from watching this well, movie. Wait, nope. We got to save it for the Patreon. Okay. Um, if you want to hear our full thoughts. You, you, will, you will subscribe to Patreon. You will do that. Yeah, it's a Jedi mind trick. But as a little like sneak preview into this, okay. I'm just going to say that I really do appreciate the artistry of puppetry and of claymation. So while you're watching... The Happy Time Murders this weekend because clearly everything else is like sold out. Um, <laughs> you should go also rent Kubo and the Two Strings after you've walked out of the Happy Time Murders. Because some people really didn't like it, but I dug it. I dug it. Yes. And you can hear our full thoughts on that on our Patreon. Um, our $2 a month level, you get all of our 10-minute reviews that are full reviews of movies you do in this section. Mm-hmm. And also $3 a month level gets you some extra bonus episodes in addition to our archives. So go ahead and subscribe because let's be real. What are you going to do with $2? Are you going to buy a bag of chips? Yeah. Like, all together, um, in a year, if you're on our lower tier, that's $24 for a whole year. The price... Of a cup of coffee 
by the end of the year because the economy is going to go straight down the toilet. Okay. I mean, you can just say like the price of a DVD, like a price of a movie to keep up with us. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess if, if you're buying Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest on 4K HD Blu-ray, it might be the price of that. Or three cups of coffee because Starbucks ain't cheap anymore ever since they had to change to the straw thing or the strawless thing uh-huh. because of them damn millennials. Yeah, killing hooters and straws, I guess. I'm joking. They're throwing the straws at owls, and then they die, and then boobs don't exist anymore. That's right. No joke, though. I'm so proud of Starbucks for giving up straws because I worked at this one corporation this summer, and we had to reduce the use of our plastic, and it made the uh, customers so angry, and it made me just so overjoyed at being able to be like, there's nothing I can do about this. (laughs) Corporate did this, so ha! Yeah, it's... Always good to stick it to the man. And by man, I mean the man in line asking to speak to the manager. Exactly. Nothing has ever brought me greater joy. (laughs) That's kind of sad, but I'm glad you had this. You know, we all need our little thing. It's the little things, Brennan. It really is. Anyway. So what um, are we reviewing this week? Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. Time Murders, you say? Nope. It came out in 1995, three years after. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, three years after Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, which lied to us. It was not The Final Sacrifice. Um, and also one year after I came out of the womb. Okay. Do you remember that experience? Yeah, it was very dark and wet. And then I was born. Wow. Yes, and. I'm great at improv. Okay. <laughs> anyway, here is the plot on the back of the Children of the Corn 3. I was like four when you popped out of that. Yeah, you're hella old. Go ahead. I wish I could translate a look into audio because the look he's giving me right now is precious. I just rolled my eyes. That's all I did. Soon after a childless couple adopts a pair of orphaned brothers, it becomes alarmingly clear the boys are much more than they seem. They're teenage mutant ninja turtles. No, they're not. Oh, no. I, I joked. With the immense power to hypnotize schoolmates into mindless followers and destroy any adult opposition, the younger boy continues the frightening campaign of terror that began in Children of the Corn. But sorry, I've peeked ahead and there's a great thing at the end of this. But there is one person, the brave older brother, who can possibly stop the relentless destruction, setting up a powerful final showdown between good and evil. And then on the bottom it says, DVD features... Widescreen. I love that. <laughs> Wonderful. That would have actually prevented me from buying this DVD if that was its one feature. Back in the day. Back in the day. We've had many arguments about full screen versus widescreen. Okay, so listen. If you were like me and you didn't have one of these fancy, what are they, plasma blood TVs? Blood TVs? Plasma is blood. Okay, that was a joke, I guess. LCD, LED, whatever TVs. The thin- An LCD sound system, if you will. If you had a TV with a little bit of thickness to it, like it was square. Like a and, big booty TV. Yes. And so you were forced to buy full screen because you didn't have one of these skinny anorexic TVs. You know? The, the width, like the depth of the TV doesn't matter. We're talking about like screen height, I think. And so when you ha- when you looked at this square TV, you would get an even smaller vision of movie because, <laughs> because you, just, you just want more movie per screen and it doesn't matter if the movie's in the proper shape. Because no. you technically get less movie, but you see it bigger. 
That's right. I didn't know what that was, Brennan, growing up. I didn't know that movies came in different shapes. I just <laughs> knew fair. that I was being cheated. And, like, when you're watching a movie on a 27-inch screen and it's smaller, it's you're getting the movie, like, at a 20-inch screen. And you might as well just be looking at a magazine. <laughs> okay, sure. That moves. Um, let's talk about Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. As always, we rate movies out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. So um, let's start with scariness. What do you think your rating might be for that? Three. <gasps> really? Okay, so even higher. I feel like we've gone like incrementally higher with each of these movies. I thought this one was better than the other two. I don't disagree with that. I feel like I had less fun than in part two, um, which was just nuts. But this movie was pretty solid. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving it a two out of five for scares because, you know, it's still a direct-to-video Children of the Corn sequel. Like, come on. Mm. But what what made you give it a three? Like, what affected you more than the other films? What it wasn't necessarily. I mean, you hit the by use by use of the word effect. You really did hit the nail on the head. It really uh-huh. was the effects of this movie. Okay, which, that were freaky. Um, we should table really in depth discussion for the effects score, but I understand that that does affect how you view the film. Yeah, because I am averse to gore, yes, and to blood and guts and all that apparently good stuff that you weird people like. Yeah, that red red crappy. Um, that's so that's clockwork orange. Yeah, that stuff freaks me out. Um, one thing that I remember mentioning when the last time we reviewed this movie you was mean part two. Whatever, <laughs> they're um, essentially the same thing. Uh, was that uh, the idea that a priest is not safe in the church really did freak me out. Mm-hmm. And there were multiple scenes where the priest in this film was unsafe in his church, and that freaks me out. That really is an un, an unnerving idea, the fact that this place that you've thought of as a safe space, you mm-hmm. know, as a refuge. A sanctuary. From, a sanctuary, exactly, from the rest of the world is slowly being taken away from you. And not only is it being taken away from you, but you're slowly being sacrificed, essentially. Or Yeah, and you know. psychologically tormented until you are murdered. Yeah. Like, that's a really freaky idea, and it's insidious, almost. Yeah. In the and the way that it um, undermines what you have held dear for, for me is my whole life. Uh-huh. You know, I may be a lapsed Catholic, but I still... The respect for that institution is still in there. Yeah, I still definitely regard the church as a place of, you know, wholesome singing and occasional <laughs> New York Times reporting where they uh, undermine the wholesome you singing. You mean Boston Globe reporting? Yeah. Anyway, that got dark and that's not going to pair well with the... Tune in next week for our <laughs> review of Spotlight. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Only on Patreon. Well, sure, maybe. Um, no, but... I was going to say the torment – we're, we're going to spoil this movie, by the way. But what you're talking about is there's the priest who's the principal of the school these two boys are sent to. It is a Catholic school in Chicago, which – okay, I don't know anything okay, about Chicago. Okay, yeah. The we'll school did not Mook. seem Catholic at all. We'll have to ask Mook. Are there lots of Catholic schools in Chicago? Oh, hell yeah. Are Illinois there? is – well, that whole area is definitely really Catholic. I'm sure Mook can probably speak to it more than I can. But one of the professors that I've had, Dr. Blank, um, she grew up in that area, and it was very Catholic and religious – one of the few things she in, uh, told me that she did during graduate school was just go to church. Can you imagine, Brennan? That's one of the highlights of your week is going to church. 
sorry. Oh, you mean like things she did with her free time, like yeah. for fun? Yeah, okay. it was didn't... go to a movie, okay. go to church, and I think go on a hike or something. And it was not all during the week. These would be rotating things that she would do during the week. Like during the weeks. Like okay. maybe one week she went to church, uh-huh. and the other week she went hiking. But church was one of the things that she put like, you know, I got to do in order to stay right with God. Okay, that's good. One love, one God. Shout out, Andy. This is nonsense, and also he won't understand. This is more of an inside joke. Um, Between just you and me. Yeah, anyway, so the joke I've been trying to set up for like seven minutes is that this priest is psychologically tormented with footage from the previous two films, which is the very scariest thing you could do to someone. Yeah. Because like, here are these mediocre corn movies. Watch all this footage. I mean, it was the best scenes from it was the best scene from the first one of yeah. the kids murdering all the parents. I wasn't sure if the first one was an actual, if it was actual scenes from the first movie. It was okay, cool. And then, I know the second one definitely was, mm-hmm. but the first one seemed like a little bit generic. So I was like, did they were they not able to get the copyrights from the first movie? Um, I think I think it was direct footage from the original. Mm-hmm. He's tormented with nightmares of these kids' past, including the parent murder scene from the first one and the hypodermic needle murder from part two. But And then the third scene is technically a flashback, but it's actually new footage. Um, it's of Eli murdering his parents in Gatlin, and that scene was the one that freaked me out the most. Really? Because it involved four children with, like, burlap sacks over the head, er, over their heads, like in The Strangers. Yeah. Um, like, scything the parents and then setting their bed on fire. Yeah. And it was very sinister. Like, the, the franchise Sinister reminded me of those snuff films of the children killing their parents in that film franchise in Sinister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dolly, okay. continue. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, it, and those are the freakiest parts of those movies, and the only reason to watch the Sinister movies. Mm-hmm. And that part freaked me out. Like there was definitely something really creepy there. Mm-hmm. As an aside, during that scene, I thought we were watching a completely different film. You were drinking during this movie, and sometimes you were like, "What just happened?" <laughs> Listen, I'm always drinking water. Everybody should stay hydrated because it's summer and, you know, hydration is very important. Replenish those electrolytes. Sure. Um, But, uh, no, I definitely thought you were watching a different movie. And another note, I can't believe Sinister only ever got two installments. Blumhouse, what happened? Well, Give us more movies. Have you seen Sinister 2? Yeah, it I wouldn't great. want to follow up on that. Yeah, but Bagul was such a creepy idea. That is true. I remember being freaked the freak out. I, we don't swear here. This is a wholesome podcast. Sure. So, so I remember thinking he was really creepy in the way he just came out of the movie like that. Uh-huh. He was a super creepy idea and maybe in the hands of a, a more thoughtful director, <laughs> he would be a little bit more um, insidious. Okay. We shall say. Yeah, let's get James Wan in there. Yeah. Why not? Um, anyway. Look, James Wan is money. Homie mints money. Okay. Yes. Um, another creepy scene is um, in the church when the pastor or the preacher is done and just the kids are not listening because they're halfway through being converted by Eli, who's the younger kid. Mm-hmm. Um, they start this really creepy whistle that really oh, freaks yeah. me out. Yeah. And then there's a part where um, the foster mom is um she kisses joshua goodbye but she does not she does not kiss eli goodbye because she transparently hates eli and eli's like don't i get a kiss and then he licks her face which is really gross he licks her ear and that's even worse 
Let's be real here. Between the two kids, Brennan, which would you, a known lover of legally aged children of the corn, want to kiss? I will say that the actor playing Joshua was 22 at the point of filming that movie, and he was also very attractive. <laughs> Why did... The, ch- Look, let's just... I'm going to label it this. Okay. okay. This segment is dedicated to Joe Lipset, who tweeted about how he enjoyed my struggles with being attracted to the The legally aged children of the corn. Um, So clearly children of the corn found a formula that works for them. It's adults that are aged as children. Um, Well, no, there is always one teen character who is... Below the 19-year-old cutoff that he who walks behind the rose enforces for no particular reason. Uh And then there's the creepy kid who is the speaker of he who walks behind the rose or whatever. Yeah, the creepy kid is going to grow up to be gay. And I don't know if I appreciate the fact that all the villains are gay in these movies. Have all three been? Are we three for three? No, I mean, John Franklin is actually gay. Uh Um, And I just have a theory that this guy is gay. I have no confirmation because there's like no information on um, Eli, the actor, really now because mm-hmm. um, he he did stop acting immediately after this mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. and it's just um yeah they found a formula that works for them and so they clearly replicate it because that's all hollywood ever does is replicate yeah. ideas that work yeah and he was he was so like like young adult hunky that even his terrible choppy bangs could not interrupt his beautiful face it was the 90s. It was the 90s. It was a hard time for everyone. I watched Power Rangers. Look, I was one year old when this movie came out, so it's appropriate. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the, ski- the scene that scared me aside from Brendan's impending arrest. Uh, yeah. And it was when the... Uh, do you remember the opening scene when we're introduced to our two heroes? <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> our two heroes. Um, what's the name of the main blonde guy that you like? Joshua. Joshua. The hunksicle. Yeah, his father is made into a scarecrow. Oh, yeah. And slowly you see the vines of the corn, uh, like, you know, they grab hold of him. And that's a really cool effect first yeah, off. Yeah, and the, the corn has always been a villain in these movies, but it goes full on the ruins in this one. Yeah, they step up their game. Uh, so it grabs hold of the father, and then it slowly kind of, like, rips him apart without actually ripping him apart. You do see, like, stretches in his body happening. Yeah, like, gross, evil gashes. Uh-huh. And the scariest part, or, well, the most... Um, Ups- disturbing. Disturbing. There you go. That's a perfect word. Is when little vines <sighs> slowly zip up his lip and his eyes, and he's made into a scarecrow. And I was like, whoa, this movie, be it direct-to-video or whatever... Clearly is not pulling any punches. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll have more, much more to say about this in the effects segment. Let's actually move on to campiness because we've been talking for a minute. And by a minute, I mean, let's go for 20 times that. And mm-hmm. we, we're only in the first section. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do campiness. What's your campiness score? Um, I'm going to say two. Only okay. because I can't think of anything that was explicitly campy. Okay, I'm going to give it a three because people keep eating raw corn in this movie. Oh, the corn was so fake. Oh, yeah. It was It was like, uh, what Like what are those like play set? It like, looked like du- an emoji. It was emoji. like Duplo corn. It looked like an emoji come to life. Like they put an emoji in that Spy Kids thing that made the McDonald's come to life. Do you remember that scene in Spy Kids? Like it came, like it danced around? 
No. Okay, so the Spy Kids had like this microwave, right? Uh, okay, yeah. Where they would put like food or like pictures of food in it, and uh-huh. then it would be made into real food. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember that. And it was like they put the corn emoji into it, and it became just fake ass yeah, corn. Yeah, it's this Fisher Price corn. It's fake corn. It's really bad. But also, people just keep like they see an ear of corn that is uncooked that has just been plucked off the not vine stock. And yeah. they just like bite into it like it's a freaking apple. And it's like, this is corn. You can't do this. Mook, does this happen with corn in Chicago? Let me know. Look, I can answer that Mook question. Mook has positioned himself as our Chicago expert, so I'm going to lean on him as much as possible. <laughs> um, look, I can answer the question for him not to put words in his mouth. But as somebody whose family eats corn, or as my people call it, maize. Sure. You know, maize. Um, nobody eats raw corn. <laughs> you cook it. You grill it, you wrap it in foil, and you cook it. You know, your local elotero man comes by, and he gives you some corn. Well, he doesn't give you, you get to buy it. But he sells you some corn, you uh-huh. put some mayonnaise on it, and it's great. Well, also cheese and, like, pepper and stuff. Okay, so, um, also, I just love the coincidence that the foster father is also, like, a corn exporter. He just happens to be in charge of shipping corn around the world. He said commodities, and I had no idea corn was considered a commodity. It's the only one we ever see him do business with. Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Charlize Theron is in this movie. For like a scene. The corner of her face is in Literally this movie. Literally like three three shots, not even scenes. It was just shots. Yeah, three shots, but one of them, it's just beautiful. Her eyes are filled with tears, and you're like, you're going to be a star one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see you crying in the desert with one arm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I just liked about the movie, or I guess enjoyed maybe, uh, was that Chicago seemed really unsafe. They really went out of the way to make them to make this school seem really urban and really uh-huh. unsafe with the guy with the little knife and stuff. Yeah, a little butterfly knife. He really elaborately flipped to get open. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Speaking of evil city teens, um, one of the like, oh, these kids are going to have a hard time adjusting. Just look at all the teens in here. One of the teens literally was just playing with a pair of nunchucks. Yeah. They're like, oh, these city teens, they're so, <laughs> they're they're so violent. They're so violent. Oh, man. Also, what? But during the scenes of when they were making Chicago seem bad, it's also kind of hard to hide the beauty of Chicago. Uh-huh. As you know, um, I really don't know much of it. Most of my knowledge of Chicago is from my best friend's wedding. Is that the Julie Roberts movie we saw? Was that in Chicago? It was set in Chicago. Oh, okay. Cause remember because they go like on a boat and stuff? Anyways, there it's hard. There are boats in most places. <laughs> Whatever. It's hard to hide the beauty of Chicago because I was like, this seems like a really nice place that I want to visit. Yeah, Chicago is great. Uh-huh. I've never been there. Okay, continue as you were. Um, but anyway, um, no, just one last thing of campiness. There's just like these weird little elements. Uh, like a normal campiness for this kind of movie would be like, you know, the acting. But the acting was actually fine. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Eli. But whatever. You can't expect too much from a child, and he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was about the same as Micah from the previous one, where he's a totally milk toast and bland child. And it's kind of just creepy because he's such a boring kid saying all these evil things, but it's not particularly scary in the way that John Franklin managed to be mm-hmm. um, as Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what? No, go ahead. Okay, there's a part where they're like driving through Chicago and we're looking at all the spooky city stuff and there's this soundscape of kind of eerie things happening. And one of them is just a dial tone. And I'm like, I'm not scared of this dial tone. <laughs> Maybe somebody didn't pick up. One thing I will say that is literally 
all my camping to score. And okay. not only was it my camping to score, I'm adding a new category. It was my enragement score. <laughs> okay. Which should be a five, not a two, which was what I gave it for this movie. Okay. Um, it's the fact that Joshua, the moment he picks up a basketball, is so good at basketball that he makes friends with all the urban Chicago kids. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> I grew up in the city, and I am so bad at basketball. Well, that's why he didn't make friends. It's it's really the reason why, <laughs> but but I tried so hard to get good at basketball <laughs> to dribble that freaking ball, and I never could do it. And it took me hours, and then I just gave up. But like the moment that I picked up a basketball, I was not instantly good. Granted, I was you know like Russell from Up, but still, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Um, anyway, no, I mean, maybe he had like a hoop made of corn and also a basketball made of corn and that's how he practiced. He was insanely good. The moment he picked it up, it's like, yo, we respect you. And then he left that session having like a secret handshake with all of them. And I was like, I lived in Long Beach my entire life. I went to the high school. I went to the high school that gave the nation Snoop Dogg and and, American Pie and Netflix. Snoop Dogg is more important to this and conversation. Paris Hilton's nothing in this world the, music video. Okay, you need to stop. Did he really go to your school? He did. Nice. He's a mu- he's a mural. He's on a mural in the school. That's glorious. It really is. So is Marilyn Horn. Shout out to the opera lovers in this audience. Um. Anyway, we have a bunch of them. <laughs> anyway, um, I practiced so hard and I never got any good. And also, my entire life in Long Beach, and nobody ever gave me a secret handshake. The way that Joshua got after this one freaking game, okay. after coming from nowhere, Nebraska, and playing basketball. End so, of rant. So Sergio gets a one out of five for basketball. Let's move on to effects. I needed to include that rant because I was you. really angry. I'm so sorry. I underlined it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, let's move on to effects, which is really the center point of this movie. Yeah, um, I don't know if I've ever given a movie five out of five for effects. Oh, really? But, but I think this movie deserves it. I'm not going to remember like you do because you remember when you give things five out of five. Sometimes I give them very infrequently, but just like now because I'm giving it four out of five. Yeah, but for a directed video movie, the effects were pretty stellar. Hell yeah! And there's one reason for that, and it's three words, and his name is Screaming Mad George. He, Who? I I brought him up in the beginning. Um, I don't remember in this. the credits. No, Screaming Mad George is probably a lesser famous effects artist. Like not, you know, like there's the Tom Savini's Tom of the Savini's world and Rick Baker's and Stan Winston's. Um, He's one of the unsung heroes. Yeah, Screaming Mad George definitely worked more in direct to video stuff, but also in some pretty high profile stuff. He worked on Nightmare on Elm Street's three and four. Um, for certain scenes and moments, mm-hmm. he worked in on Predator in an early thing. Um, he worked on a couple of Silent Night, Deadly Night movies, mm-hmm. um, which is where I, I first this. encountered him. Yes. Anyway, um, he's he's just a, a deeply underrated um, special effects artist, and he delivers some nutso stuff in this movie. What What's the one that comes to mind most for you? Well, thinking, like, I mean, I already mentioned the first opening scene that happened, but the scene that really just, you know, grabs my goat and then shows me the goat's spine. Oh, is Jesus Christ. Where there's that Superstar. one. Superstar. Where that one uh, Malcolm? guy. Mal- I don't remember anybody's name. Um, Malcolm, like, he's essentially not decapitated, but you see his neck 
just elongated. Not only is it elongated, but you see his entire spine be pulled out. Yeah. And not only pulled it, out, but like you see like three feet of neck. Yeah, the the corn pulls his spine out like it's the predator. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into this giant giraffe shriek monster mm-hmm. of spine and blood. And it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's and so cool. It was insane. Another scene that really stood out. Was the death of the stepmother, mm. or not stepmother, but foster mother? Pour one out for Amanda, man. Yeah, she, I thought she was gonna live much longer. I thought she was gonna live to see the end. Um, she, you know, discovers the secret or whatever that the kid's corn is evil. The secret is the power of positive thinking. He was just sat, he had a vision board for his corn takeover Chicago plan. Exactly, and now she's on her way to you know share the secret of the evil corn. The corn trips her. Well, the corn's like trying tries to drag her into the corn, and yeah. she runs away. Mm-hmm. And then she falls and hits her head on like a water spout. This is like a pipe sticking. Out. It's this abandoned factory yeah. where corn is being grown. Uh huh. Um, and the back of her head falls onto this exposed pipe. And then, so you see her clearly die because you know her head done was impaled by a pipe, a water pipe, and then she starts leaking water after that. Yeah, it, um, there's a very similar death to that in uh, My Bloody Valentine, um, where someone gets impaled on a shower head and then water comes out of their mouth, but it's always such a good effect and so creepy. Definitely. Um, another effect that really didn't need to be in the movie. Oh, you mean the giant corn monster that comes out at the end? No. No, not even? That. Sorry. Can... So you forgot something. Oh, did I? So... There's so much in this movie. There is so much. Especially for a direct-to-video movie. Yeah. Um, so our friend Joshua is falling in love, as teens do. Everybody plays safe. With Maria. And so while Josh is off trying to figure out what happened to his dad, um, little new Mordecai is... Uh, um, is You mean new Isaac? New Isaac is having dinner with Maria's parents. Oh, yeah. And he feeds them corn. Now, I know what you're saying. Alote is great. You know, we could all do with some more alote in our lives. But the corn that he feeds her parents is evil corn. <laughs> and so they eventually, like, they choke on the corn. It's like poisoned corn. And not only is it poisoned, but it clearly, it, they come undone. Brennan, do, do this description justice. Okay, so a bug comes crawling out of the mom's mouth. And then more bugs come crawling out of the mom's mouth. And then bugs come crawling out of the dad's mouth. Yes. And then the mom falls over and her head splits like a melon and a bunch of bugs come out. It breaks open like an egg. It's like if you see a sad deflated basketball with a woman's face on it and bugs inside. Yeah, it's like a spider's nest done, broke open. And, little and Elizabeth Salander <laughs> shows up. And she gives a bunch of money to what? The Swedish businessman's wife. The girl in the spider's web? No? Okay, everybody go watch that movie because we're going to go watch it. Yeah, directed but, by Fede Alvarez. But like I was going to say, a spider's egg opened and spider babies, which are roaches in this case, came out. Yeah, it that was disgusting. Yeah. And um, what? Oh, there's another thing. There's a thing that you forgot, Sergio. Is it the Tiki Torches? What? Never mind. Go ahead. Okay, no. Um, but there's a super random hobo that gets killed just to yeah, up the body count. Here. His head gets ripped off and planted in the soil. And there's a part where the hobo head just starts devouring a kid's arm. It was Malcolm. Out of the dirt? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't out Malcolm. It was like T-Bone or whatever. The he does bite Malcolm's arm day. at some point. No. I think so, isn't it? No, it's... You're just... 
being racist. Probably. It's a different African-American child. Oh, no. Um, he's the one with the butterfly knife, and he becomes Eli's muscle um, because this hobo head starts to devour his arm in the cornfield. Oh, no. It's so weird. I was... I wasn't expecting it. I thought someone was going to discover the hobo head and realize that terrible things are afoot. But no, terrible things are a hand, and it's being bitten by a hobo head in the dirt. Uh-huh. It's so... Look, the mythology of these movies is so m- messed up at this point. Uh-huh. It makes no sense, but it's so freaky. Uh-huh. And then there's a giant corn monster in the end. Yeah, that really is the biggest effect of them all. And the thing is, is that it, needed, it didn't need to be there. Oh, no. This is a totally weird, like, false third act. Like, he already kills Eli and the evil Bible, but then the corn monster comes out for no reason, but it's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed the giant ant thing. I thought that it was kind of over too quickly. Um, Oh, yeah, they kill it really easily. They're just like, just chop this root, and then they do, and it's dead. Yeah, I was like, okay. This ant that has unleashed this hectic chaos and it seems like it devoured Charlize Theron um, I think she either she or the other blonde girl got impaled on a bunch of roots somebody died anyway go watch Tully continue Brennan <laughs> anyway so um, this scene does I mean this movie does have a lot of special effects in it but the special effects in this crazy showstopper monster sequence are so much like I mean there's just so much going on it's so nuts Yeah, it's like could you not chew ice directly into the microphone, please? Thank you. I shall try not to. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it's like when you're watching Carrie and everything is really... It's, I'm familiar with this. Yeah, it's subdued and psychological and crazy stuff is happening because of Piper Laurie. Mm-hmm. But things don't get really crazy until the prom sequence and just things go nuts. Um, same thing with Evil Speak, but that's a worse movie. Um, Which no one has seen. Yeah, when Clint Howard... put. The, his computer puts a demon in him, and then he uses a giant sword to cut off everybody's heads, basically, and then pigs eat him. It's a crazy movie. Did he not have, like, a spyware to prevent this from happening? Well, he sold his soul to the computer devil, so it's his fault. Everybody invest in Norton. I'm telling you, you heard it here first. <laughs> <Yeah>. Norton Firewall anyway, will protect you from this thing. No, it. but so anyway, those movies have these crazy explosions of carnage. Like, at the end of a more subdued plot line. Mm-hmm. And this movie, you could not call Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest subdued. But no. this this scene still feels like that because it's such an explosion of mayhem. Like, kids are drowning in mud puddles and getting impaled left and right. And this kid's, like, I think a head gets pulled off and one is, like, hanged while trying to escape by corn vines. Mm. And just all this, it's just bananas and there's this giant ant monster and it's just it, it's very delightful and kids are just getting the this thing is murdering the piss out of a bunch of kids uh-huh. and th- these movies have generally been afraid to show too much child death except for the super evil kids mm-hmm. um and i was kind of into it yeah um i hate gore but i will be the first to tell you that gore is not my slice of tea one of the first slice of tea. Uh, one of the first movies that he took me to was in Hollywood, and it was like a lot of gore, a lot of blood and stuff. And I was like, I don't like this VHS too. Um, oh yeah, that movie was actually pretty good. It was scary. Um, but I did r- like this scene and the mayhem unleashed by that monster because it did feel appropriate. Granted, the monster did feel out of place. Uh-huh. And that, you know, we've never really seen the monster or the 
gopher that lies behind the rose. Oh boy, the, yeah. The rose or whatever. But it was great. Yes. Or as great as great can be. All right, I agree. Um, let's move on to overall quality. I give it a four. Okay, j- yeah, just like the last one. Um, did I give the last one a four? Yes, we both did. Oh, wow. And I think I'm going to disagree. I'm, I feel like I'm knocking this one back down to a three um, because while the effects were so great, uh-huh. um, the story I just felt a little less into this time. I agree. Um, I mean, this movie has a similar problem to The Final Sacrifice in that we don't really see the children being converted and mm-hmm. we don't really get to meet their parents. We don't meet the parents who we see die until the scene where they die. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just hasn't properly established the family dynamic so mm-hmm. that we're horrified by the children being converted. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's kind of the issue with the sequels is how do you build on the success of the original without repeating too much of the same information? Uh-huh. So we really can't you know, be mad at it for not showing us the kids not being converted. At least I think that. Um, well, we've never seen the kids be converted in these movies. I mean, this is the one where we see the most of it. We do see Eli preaching a couple times. Uh-huh. But like... The first Children of the Corn starts off with the kids murdering the parents. We don't yeah. see their process. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think that this one was... <sighs> the story was weaker, but the effects and the overall mood created by the filmmakers in uh-huh. this movie was definitely stronger than the last one. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think... I don't know. I, I just felt more bored during the non-gore parts of this movie than no. I was during the non-gore parts of the previous movie. No, definitely. Like, I really wanted to know more about their family life. You know, what was it that the mom would make for dinner? Corn, I assume. Probably not corn. Probably Everyone eats corn in these movies. Probably just meat, you know? She probably hated corn. Sure. She probably just fed them, fed them kale. Sure. Also, um, this movie was not very urban, which... I protest. Like, it didn't really utilize the city setting. There was no reason for it not to be in another rural town. They really just set it in Chicago during certain seas when it convenienced them. One thing I really disliked about this movie was they clearly lived in an average suburban home. Uh, And, like, there are suburbs in the city, you know, like city houses. But they are not near an abandoned warehouse where you can grow a field of corn. Yeah, the geography of this... Chicago is really weird. They basically live in an Edward Scissorhands neighborhood with a giant factory, and then they like go to school in the city. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just the whole thing of Eli. Like Eli is somehow immortal. Like he killed his parents in 1964, and he's that wasn't even an unexplained. I mean, you know, you need that to like. Oh, he's evil. He's clearly evil, so uh-huh. that they realize that. But. It was not really... It didn't go well, anywhere. Well, he's transparently evil from square one. For he says us, grace before dinner to he who walks behind the rose. Okay, to us, but to the average... Like, when his pa- foster parents found out that he said grace, they were so charmed. They were. They were like, oh, we finally got us a good one. We don't have to return this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, but it was just like... And this is one of those ones where the kid keeps calling upon he who walks behind the rose like to worship. But then he has, like, the evil demon voice, that like, the deep voice that's speaking the words simultaneously to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, is he already possessed by he who walks behind the rose? Why is he calling upon him? Mm-hmm. What? No, that was something that kind of bugged me was how quickly they utilized the fact that 
uh, Eli was possessed by He Who Walks Behind the Rose. Because normally most of the other movies wait until at least the second act to have their Eli character become more yeah masculine and possessed behind that voice. Um, but oh, oh. here they used it like immediately in the first act. And I was yeah. like, what a waste of an effect. Yeah, also to run a retraction on last week, I did, or on last uh, Children of the Corn episode, I did say that Micah was not the kid who was pulled into the hell tunnel. He was, and that's how he was possessed. Um, no one else cares, but it's I been, certainly it's been don't. bothering me. Um, but At anyway, least you have your integrity. Yeah. No, but so we're like, so is this is clearly an immortal child who murders lots of parents, but we're like, is he a manifestation of he who walks behind the rose? Is he a manifestation of Gatlin? Because he's a demon, obviously. But he's also calling upon he who walks behind the rose. And it's like, is this just a demon who's a really big fan of this other demon? Mm-hmm. The groundhog demon? Mm-hmm. And it just makes zero sense. Zero sense. I was saying this all the time. You weren't <laughs> listening. One thing that really did bug me, and almost to the point where I could lower my score from a four to a three. Uh-huh. I, I wouldn't want you to. I'm, I'm happy you liked this. Uh, was the fact that... Okay. So we mm. live in a time where Tiki torches... Are just, you know, what white kids love. The white kids love them some tiki torches. Sure. Um, And the kids in this movie, when they were, like, hearing little Eli's speech, brought tiki torches with them. Uh, or just torches. Just, it was tiki torches. Okay. Uh, I think it actually just was torches. Never yeah, mind. They would... brought torches with them. Uh-huh. Um, but then the ant monster comes, and they, like... The, all the torches are magically extinguished. And it's like you could use the fire to throw to the ant and you don't. And I was just so angry by the fact that the ant didn't explode due to their, te- due to their torches. My condolences. Um, yeah, I, I think that about wraps up this conversation. This, this episode has been so long, which I think speaks to how awesome the effects in Children of the Corn 3 were. Yeah, that was a good movie. Um, effects. Yes. Also, um, yeah, so I'm going to tell you what we're watching next week, and also we're going to guess as to what we're doing in the next Children of the Corn. But first, here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can find us on uh, Facebook, at Scream101Podcast, uh, uh, Twitter, at Scream101Pod. Uh, find us on Definitely iTunes. tweet us because we love interactions. We so do. It really makes me feel like I'm not wasting my time. Yeah, we're not just shouting about Children of Corn into the void. Into our tiny one-bedroom apartment that annoys our neighbors who can hear us. Possibly. Um, although I don't know, I feel like our next door neighbors and the girl who listens to either Ariana Grande or K-pop at all times is more annoying than we are. Yeah. If we have to like choose. Okay. First off, sweetener. Everybody buys sweetener. (laughs) Whatever, Brennan, continue. Okay. So, um, next week we'll be watching Damien Omen 2 from uh, 1978. We're finally catching up on that. The, the sweet little kid. More Aww. child mayhem. Do we have to? Yeah. Yes, we do. Thank you, Brennan. Okay. You were, you were, you were like prompting me to say something, and I was like, I'm not sure what this joke, what this bit we're doing is. Oh, but you love Damien. But you love Damien. Yes, you do. What? You love Damien. Do I? Yeah. I, was, I didn't love the omen. Look. Listen back to our episode, man. Look. If there's one of us that likes... Oh, my God. <laughs> The Omen, it's Brennan. You are drunk. I think you rated the Omen higher than I did. Maybe. Um, so, do you have any guesses um, as to the next Children of the Corn? Wait, let me give you the year. Children of the Corn or Omen 2? Children of the Corn. We okay. already guessed about the Omen. 
Um, Children of the Corn. I don't remember guessing about the Omen. In our Omen episode, we guessed oh, what would happen in the next Omen movie. Okay, that's yes. How it works. Okay, yes. So the next movie is you were just you were a mess. You're dropping your notes. So, <laughs> They're over. This is this is from 1996. So only one year later, the shortest turnaround so far. Um, this is Children of the Corn Four: The Gathering. I thought that it was Fields of Terror. Oh wait, no, I think that's part five. I was wrong. It's The Gathering. So what do you think that's about? I guess they go back to Gallon. They were like, yo, clearly Chicago didn't work for us. We got to <laughs> yeah. go back home. Um, so they're back for like spring break, you know? All the kids who went away for, for college. <laughs> sure. Oh, or like one kid from boarding school comes back and meets he who walks behind the rows and is like, hey, man. Uh-huh. He comes back from boarding school. like, what happened to my parents? Yeah. <laughs> Why did they never pick me up? I had to walk here. Yeah. <laughs> from Boston. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think that's what's gonna happen. That's yeah. a really good assumption. I'm right. Although, maybe. I mean, also this movie did end on a sequel tag of a bunch of a shipment of the evil corn arriving in Hamburg, yeah, but when, Germany. But whence? But when has that ever mattered? At oh, all? never. But I would love for the next movie to be set in Hamburg. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be so cool. You know what would be better? What? Lyon, France. What? Lyon, France. Is there something there special? Leon is spelled is is, is, is pronounced almost like lion, but it's not. It's with a Y. Okay. And it's France. It's just like lions, I guess. And also, I can speak French. I'm so proud. Bonjour. Okay. Mes amis. Um, thank you so much. Comment for listening to this episode. I think it was a great episode until these last five minutes when <laughs> something has kicked into your system. I'm not sure what. <laughs> Um, it's been very exciting, though. It's been a real wild ride. And until next week, when we're doing Damien Omen 2, good luck in your journey. Everybody and stay gold. Also, <laughs> everybody and stay gold. Subscribe to our Patreon because we put so much effort into it. We really do. It's patreon.com slash screen 101. Yes. Stay gold, everybody. Bye. 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 This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hey everyone, welcome to Eerie Earfuls. Every two weeks we choose a horror movie double feature to compare and contrast for your entertainment. Who chooses rotates each episode. We explain why we chose the films and then proceed to analyze the two. Why did you pick these two movies? Because both sequels reference and parody the original. They're both werewolf movies, and both of the main characters feature disabilities. I wanted to pair two slasher films that were based on revenge plots. I liked the theme of misunderstood monsters. Fair warning, there will be spoilers. I'm Justin. And I'm Brandon. You can subscribe to us on CastBox and iTunes. Thank you for listening, and stay scared, everyone. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.